Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, which I moved out of when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for almost eight years now and have two beautiful babies. Yes, we do. Today, we wanted to address a lot of comments that we've gotten asking for our reaction on the show Preaching Evil, which is on Peacock. Yes. Peacock Plus. A documentary done about the FLDS community, specifically Warren Jeffs and his, uh, how he, I guess... Handled the community, really. <laughs> I was going to say ran the community to the ground, but... Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Honestly. But yes, uh, kind of what happened after he became prophet and just before he became prophet. Yes, for anybody who wants to um, watch before hearing our reaction, again, it's on Peacock. And the very first episode is all we're going to um, talk about today and kind of probably do one for every episode because there's a lot of stuff to cover. Um, but you can watch it on Peacock. You can watch the first episode for free. You don't have to have the Peacock Plus. So we just watched the first episode so far. We'll definitely be watching more. Um, it was interesting how this documentary, instead of the like broad scope of the entire FLDS, is really focused on Warren Jeffs himself, like how mm -hmm. he became prophet, and all from the perspective of, um, well, not completely, but mostly from the perspective of a couple of his previous wives. Right, either wives of himself or wives of Ruth and Jeffs, or at least relatives of his family. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some detectives and stuff, but it's um, a really interesting perspective of people who are in there, because we've gotten a lot of texts from Sam's biological siblings as well yeah. that have been like, You've got to watch this show. It's mm -hmm. crazy because there's so much stuff that um, Warren just was doing within his own family that wasn't ever known to the community. And yep. I know Sam's talked about that a lot, like that his childhood was good and that so many like good and normal things were happening. Yep. Um, and then you have stories like Rachel Jeff's books and people are like, you know, that was crazy. And that's because she they was had so... had no idea. Yeah, yeah, the rest of the community had no idea really. Yeah. And what was fully going on within Warren Jeff's family himself and like right. his wives and his children. Yes, and I've talked to a lot of people from out from the FLDS church as well that have told me that they saw this or for those of <laughs> that have seen it, tell me that they think it is the most accurate uh, show they've ever seen regarding the FLDS church and kind of what they were told and what their experience was. So very interesting, and uh, we're excited to get into this today. Yeah, and last thing before we get into it, if I sound super odd, we were at Disneyland last weekend, <laughs> and I'm a big, like, screamer for fun on rides, and so I don't have a voice. So if I sound extra, like, soft, so now you know. If I sound extra soft-spoken or you can't hear me very well, it's just because my voice is kind of gone from. We go all out at Disneyland. The, kid, the kids had a blast. <laughs> we were all having a great time. So, yeah. anyway. Anyway. I guess I didn't scream as much or something. Yeah, I'm a screamer. <laughs> anyway. We'll kind of just get started yeah. into how it starts. Basically, at the beginning, it talks a lot about um, Rulin Jeffs and Warren's relationship with his father and Rulin being the prophet. and. Mm -hmm. As we're watching it, like we always pause, and I'm like, "What do you think about this? What do you think about that?" So I'll try to remember most of the questions yeah. that I was asking Sam during the show. Um, but you were talking about how Rulin was the prophet of your childhood, right? Yes. So for me, I had been in the home of Rulin Jeffs 
when obviously when he was alive and when he was the prophet. And every experience and everything I ever heard about him was good. Uh, I know that there would be people that would say that's not true, but as far as my experience goes, everything with him was, was great. And he seemed like he loved the community, he loved the people, uh, based on my experience. And so he was kind of my childhood leader, prophet, during that time, up until I was about eight years old. And anyway, so it was, uh, seemed like the community was great, everything was being run very well, and from the perspective of a, of a young boy, anyway. Do you remember when his stroke happened? I do. I and do. like, what was your perspective, like what was, what did your family say about it? Like, did they announce it over the pulpit? How was the news broken to the community? Uh, that he had the stroke? Yeah. Because when he had the stroke, he, he continued to live on for a little while after that. Uh, so it was just, the stroke, I believe, was just kind of rumors throughout the community. Like, oh, did you hear about this? I can't believe this happened. And is he okay? What's going to happen now? But after his stroke, it seemed like he wasn't, he wasn't in the picture as much. He was sick at home a lot and uh, wasn't able to be as mobile and meet with as many people as he did before because he loved to do that. Uh, but when when he died, though, the, I believe, I don't remember exactly how long it was after his stroke. Did they say? I think they did have a timeline. I think it was four years. Four years I remember after. thinking that's, yeah. Yeah. But when he did pass away, that was a huge deal. Uh, the news actually came to Warren Jeffs, another leader. No, Warren was not there. The, the news came to the leaders of the church during an actual Sunday meeting. Oh, wow. So it was kind of announced over the pulpit that this just happened. So uh, Ruth and Jeff's death. Wow. Yeah, so that was definitely a, something that was talked about right there. One thing I thought of when we were watching it that I don't even think I asked you yet yeah. was... Um, surprise they talk, questions. Uh, surprise questions, yeah. <laughs> that um, Warren was still marrying, like still having Ruin marry more young brides mm. after his stroke. And it made me wonder... I know you've talked before about how your one sister mm -hmm. was married to him when he was very old and she was young. She was still a teenager. Mm -hmm. Do you know if that happened after the stroke or was she married to him before? That, I, believe, I believe that was after the stroke. And, okay. uh, and I'm actually just, I, I believe I misspoke here. I believe I said that I was about eight years old when the stroke happened. Uh, or sorry, when he died, but I was about eight years old when the stroke happened. Okay. Um, so I was older when my sister married him, and when he died, I was quite a bit older than eight at that point. Yeah. So, so when that happened, I didn't know that that had that he had continued to got to get married to young girls after, after his stroke. His stroke yeah. When there obviously was not going to be any type of relationship there, and then I was like, oh my gosh, Sam's sister, like yeah. she was one of those brides. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not, I, I guess I'd never really spoke to my sister after she was married to know exactly, or I didn't speak to her about this, to know exactly how her relationship was with, with Ruth and Jeffs, but uh, I don't believe there was much of the sexual relationship at all uh, yeah. for, for, for the, I mean, maybe there was some, I don't know, but he did live on for several years after his stroke, so there were probably times where he was feeling better and times he didn't feel as as well, but... Uh, I don't know for sure, though. The other wife, before his stroke, though, said that even though she was married to him at a young age, it didn't seem like there was a sexual relationship there. That's true, there. and that's So I can't imagine after the stroke that there would be something there. Correct, yeah. Which gave a little, like, glimmer of hope in my heart that, like, mm -hmm. maybe these young girls that were married 
I mean, sadly, it seemed like they were being more groomed for Warren, um, possibly, but at least for Rulin, hopefully it wasn't um, as sinister of intentions, yeah. I guess. I don't know for sure. I wish I knew more about that. But yes, it is interesting. It seemed like Warren Jeffs was almost forcing his father to marry these young women. And uh, in, in the show, it actually said at one point that Ruthen Jeffs said, I am not marrying another young girl. <laughs> and, and told Warren, I am done with this. I'm not marrying anyone else at this point. So it seemed like after his stroke, Warren tried to step up and kind of take charge and was almost in a way forcing his father to marry these young girls to possibly have control over them when his father did die. Yeah, which is very interesting. But yeah, yeah that was yeah. something that I was like, oh, crazy connection there that yes, I never very thought about before. Very interesting. And then Warren just taking power, because they had mentioned the fact that he wasn't the, it wasn't like he was the eldest son by nope. a long stretch. Not even close. And he took over. What was your family's opinion of when Warren said, you know, I am the prophet? You know, there were a lot of... I guess people that weren't happy with that, with that move that Warren became prophet. There were a lot of leaders and people that had been in the in the church and leaders of the church for a lot longer than he was, and it seemed like they were upset by it. There were a lot of people that were upset by it, but Warren Jeffs, uh, before and especially after his father's stroke, kind of st stood up or became this. Almost, uh, the almost became the face of the church. He would he would start giving his his uh, his father Ruthen Jeffs sermons over the pulpit, and he would say, basically everything that Ruthen wanted to be said, Warren began to say, say it, it for him. So he almost be he became his spokesperson. And so, for me, and obviously for my family, uh, he was it was just kind of like a natural transition. Okay, so I mean, even though some people didn't like it, uh, most people, mm -hmm. most of the regular members were just like, well, that kind of makes sense because he was already being the mouthpiece for him. Right. So it seemed like an easy transition. Yes, and I remember coming home after a church meeting where it was announced over the pulpit that Warren Jeffs would be the, the prophet of the church. And I remember going home and father took us in, my father took us in, and we all sat in our living room and... And he just discussed his feelings about it. He said, I know there's a lot of unhappy people and people that will say that they don't believe in Warren Jeffs. And, and he just said, but as for me, I just want you all to know that I will follow Warren Jeffs and I believe he is the prophet. Oh, okay. And so it was so kind of declared throughout the family. That... To my family, yes. And I imagine that, a lot, that the other fathers did the same with their families because most everyone accepted him as the prophet. Okay. Yeah. Did do you remember? Were you in the church meetings when he sent away um, like his other brothers and a lot of the higher men in the church? I was. Yes. Because they talk about that in the documentary. Yes. So he did. He in church meeting he stood up and said that he just named off a bunch of names and said these men are no longer uh, welcome here because of some. I guess something that they did that was incorrect or wrong or some sin they committed apparently. And, There's always something, and right? And so they had to be, they were forced out of the community and their families had to stay behind and their families weren't supposed to communicate with them or any, you know, they were just, they were just kicked out and that was the end of it. And uh, of course there was a, 
they said there was a good reason for it. But, you know, that that's kind of where it all started. And I, I really think that it was a power move that Warren Jeffs wanted to strike fear into the other man that say, hey, if you try to stand up against me or something, this will happen to you as well. Because it definitely worked. A lot of the men I know out there, after they saw that happen and that these men were just ripped apart from their families, they were afraid to do anything that would go against what Warren wanted. As a young boy, because you were still pretty young at that point, mm -hmm. right? When that was happening. Yes. Um, did you fear, like, did you see that and think, oh my gosh, my father could be taken away? Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. So the whole family was mm -hmm. under fear, not just the... Everybody was afraid that their father would be sent away. Wives afraid that their husband would be sent away. Everyone. Uh, and and that, that, to me, that's kind of where the, the real fear started to started to uh, happen I guess for me is when I started seeing these families being torn apart and uh, yeah it, uh, luckily while I was there it never happened so I didn't have to deal with that so that saved me from <laughs> all of that heartbreak but I know that it did happen to a lot of families okay so. and then the last big thing that they talked about in this first episode was um, Warren building Zion in Texas mm -hmm. and um, deciding that, that was going to be the place that Zion was. Um, and I know they mentioned a lot in the documentary about the fact that it was meant to be pretty secret. It was meant to be something that wasn't well known. When was the first time that you heard about it? And mm -hmm. how did people start, like, I mean, obviously, like they said, like some people would just disappear, right? Like right. all of a sudden, they, families would just be gone or siblings would be gone. Yep. Um, but... Is that how you guys like found out about it? Like all of a sudden people are disappearing and you're yep. like, what's going on? Yes, that is exactly how we found out. They really about didn't it. tell you anything. They didn't there say like, nothing, oh, there's nothing. an elite thing you should try to be a part of. Like nope. work really hard at it. So it was always told to us that if you are chosen and if you are truly faithful and are following everything to the to the you know exact how you're supposed to be doing it and obeying every rule and all of that that you would eventually be chosen and that you would be worthy to go to so-called Zion, which was the ranch in Texas. Uh, so there were a couple of my siblings were called and told to, to move to this ranch. And that's when I first learned about it. I, that's when I first realized, oh, there's this other place that apparently the people that are better than me <laughs> are allowed to go to uh, because of whatever they, they have been chosen by God. And they were, it was something that we all wanted to be able to do because we were told that that was the only way to be saved, ultimately, would be to be in this place because the rest of the world would be destroyed. And that place would be, I guess, lifted up during the time of the destruction and then set back down on the earth uh, to continue living on as God's chosen people. So you really felt like you were going to be completely left in the dust. Like you were going to be the same as a Gentile? Well, what do you, well, I no, mean, I, like I, a I assume. Or would you have like some kind of favor with the Lord still? I assumed that eventually we would all be there. Okay, that it was going to be At just some like point, a, we just had to prove ourselves first. Okay. But, uh, but there was always that fear in the back of your head that, uh, in the back of your mind that you weren't ever going to be good enough. Because as a young teenage boy, I mean, there was always something that I was that I could 
think of that I did that it would, oh, well, I did that. So now I'm never going to be able to go because I wasn't perfect, you know? And so things like that, that kind of always in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, I'll probably just be destroyed with the rest of the world. And that's that. So it was definitely a constant fear that we were growing up with. Yeah. Was that ever a thought? Like, do you think um, young men ever left the church thinking that, well, I'm not getting up here anyway. I'm not going to be lifted up. So why not just go and become a Gentile? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that the, there were some that did that. And they just figured that, well, why, why, why even try? Yeah, because there's no point. And even some people that did everything they were supposed to do, they were still never so-called chosen. So I think there are a lot of people that just realized, well, I mean, there's no hope for me anyway. Why even try? Yeah, I think that did happen some, especially with the younger, uh, younger teenage boys. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, because I can just imagine that that would be, mm-hmm. that'd be tough mentally to play that game of right. trying your best and having it never be good enough. Right, and uh, there were a lot more, I don't, I wish I knew the exact number, but there were a lot more women going to this ranch than there were men. Hmm, there's a shocker. I mean, you can, you can guess why, but... So for the men being left behind, it was very easy for us to just think, well, I'll never be going, so what's the point in trying? Yeah. yeah. And they kind of, at the end of the documentary, kind of um, hinted at the fact that the next episode, episode two, is going to go into a little bit more of um, the sexual charges and things mm. against Warren. So we'll definitely do, um, we'll probably just do an episode for every episode so that we have a chance. Episode for episode. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably do a video for every episode. Um, that way we have a chance to yeah. think through it and not try to get all of our thoughts into one more thing. But um, it sounds like we'll kind of get into a little bit more of who he was choosing and why he was choosing them mm-hmm. in episode two and kind of get an insight to that. In the, in the episode we just watched, though, he did say that the reason he was choosing some and not choosing others was because he had a revelation. And a lot of the mothers had to let their toddlers go to this place, and they didn't know if they would ever see them again. They just had, they were, some of his own children. Warren took all of his children and, and left a lot, of them, a lot of the mothers behind. So, Which I just can't imagine. Yes, I, yeah. it's. And the women don't have a choice in that because, again, women are pretty much treated like property. And especially Warren's children are Warren's property. So mm. even though the mother gave birth to them and is the one that's taking care of them, um, when we were watching that part about the three-year-old being sent away and our little boy's three, and I was like, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I said, and on top of like, you know, they kept saying, oh, you're going to go be with your father. But in a situation like that, they obviously know that Warren was not going to be raising their kids. Mm-hmm. And so as a mother to say, I'm sending my toddler and my toddler's going to be raised by, not really by his father, but by his father's more favorite wives or more favorite women that he's, that God's choosing to be there instead of me. I can't imagine the, like, mental mm. anguish that that would cause. Like, yeah. that would just be horrific. And you might ask, how would they, po- how would these women possibly allow that? I mean, they're their own children. I mean, you should, you, they, they should fight for it. They should take their child and run or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was always a fear tactic. There was always something that would keep them in line. For example, they were told that if 
these children did not go to these places, that if they did not go to the ranch in Texas, that they would be killed. That they'd be killed, yeah. That Warren said that the, that the law enforcement would kill them. That's what he told them to convince them to let them go. And they also didn't know whether or not, like, they didn't know whether or not they'd get to see him, but of course they're still hoping that they would be worthy to be able to be back with their family. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of reasons why, yeah, it seems so easy for an outsider to say, oh, I just would never separate with my toddler. But there were mm -hmm. so many underlying reasons that would lead them. And the ultimate one being that they believed they were following the prophet. And yeah. the prophet is God's mouthpiece. And so if God yeah. tells you to do something, um, you're going to do what God tells you to do over yeah. all else. Well, and they were, and these women were raised in a way that they were used to. They were used to being obedient and just going along with whatever they were told to do. That's That's the... The way they were raised, and especially if they were to marry Warren Jeffs, even more so, that's that's what they, that's all they knew. Yeah, all yeah. disobedience. But yeah. that's kind of our take on episode one. We'll be back for more. Yep, of Preaching Evil. Again, if you wanted to watch it, it is on Peacock. You can watch the first episode for free. I think the next one you have to have Peacock Plus. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam growing up in polygamy, please like and subscribe. And, and if you and if you have, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> if you have watched this episode, please feel free to comment your thoughts about it as well. I'd be interested to, to know what your take on this first episode is. Absolutely. We'll talk to y'all soon. We'll talk to you soon.